Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. All right, guys, welcome back to a Texas edition stacking pennies. It was a Texas-sized can of whoop-ass opened by that five-team. They didn't have any alternator problems. They didn't have any battery issues. What they had was, I don't know, 260 laps, Merriman, uh, of just annihilating the field. Something we're starting to get a little bit accustomed to because that is that five-team's eighth win of the year. Uh, but not to get too far into it, I'm with my good friend, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes is here this week. Everybody, welcome back. Give a round of applause to Jonathan Merriman. They're extra cold. Been on ice for a week, Corey. They've been on ice, so they are blue as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. Can't wait to hear them. And Pit Road Boats and Woes analyst, Mr. Ryan Flores. Hey, now. Going into the year, I don't know if we have it on tape or not. I did say it on SiriusXM because I was willing to put my money where my mouth was. I said – and I believe Ryan and I had a discussion over this. I said that Kyle Larson was going to win over nine and a half races. Now we can count the all-star races a half if you want to, but he is on pace to win 10 races this year, guys. Chuck, did you yourself expect this amount of success out of Kyle Larson? At the beginning of the year, no. But as the season started to roll on, nothing surprises me. And as you saw him, like just – check off win after win after win i mean the dude is having a career and a potential championship season he's putting it together pretty much everywhere you go he's winning on every type of track i think ryan and i probably share the same thoughts on this going into the season what level of success did you see cliff daniels and kyle larson have uh, i think that i think there was a little bit of a worry there like how cliff and kyle were going to mesh because you know, Kyle's had a lot of crew chiefs that are kind of like cool guys, you know, that kind of buy into like, Kyle's pretty cool dude, does a lot of cool stuff. Cliff doesn't care about that, and it's been good for him. That's one thing. If you look over like the history of Hendrick Motorsports, that's what they've been the best at, putting people together. I didn't know, like, you never really know how dominant they're going to be, especially how like off the 48 and the Hendrick cars were last year, but he hit it perfect. Like he's in Hendrick equipment at the best time it's been in the last, you know, five, 10 years. And I, I think that it really became, you know, there was glimpses of how fast he'll be at the Daytona road course. He was pretty quick. But then when we went to Vegas that first time and he dominated, it was like, okay, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. So Merriman, I know you listen to, and you're on pretty much every NASCAR podcast there is, but I heard Bob Pocker say something about Kyle Larson. He said that if you put Kyle Larson in this five car with this five team four years ago, I believe, I don't want to misquote it, maybe five years ago, he said that he couldn't, he wouldn't have the same result. And I'm going to be honest, I completely agree with Bob Pockers. I think that Rick Hendrick got Kyle Larson in the most motivated spot of his career. And it was just really and truly magic. It's, I'm going to go back and find the text when I texted Larson about last August. I said, man, if you just keep grinding, they're going to be making a 30 for 30 documentary about your comeback. I'm almost starting to be a, a prophet, and you wouldn't even know it, Merriman. His back is against the wall, right? And look, I think there's more than one reason why, you know, five, ten years ago, Larson's putting that five car, and he wouldn't be that successful. There are too many stars at Hendrick Motors. We're talking about a time with Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, Jr. and Jimmy Johnson there, right? So, and Rick Hendricks very much got that same problem now. There's, 
how much room is there in the end? You got Alex Bowman winning three races. You have William Byron, who is going to be a multiple-time winner in the series, and Chase Elliott, who's a champion. So let's just start digging into this 500-mile race because it was a long one, but it was a really short one for about 12 cars. Lap 31 of how many? I don't even know how many laps it was. 334? 334 laps. There was a however many car pileup. Lap 31. What did you see that started that wreck? Obviously, Bubba was the first car that got turned around, but who was the one that should shoulder? In the first angle of it, you don't really see that much. You see the 23 and the 1 kind of battling side by side, and then the 23 just kind of loses it. He gets loose, then gets into the 48, which gets the 42. And, I mean, it's just car after car after car. Big pileup early at Texas. and it, That's not really a place that you really think of that type of pileup happening. Is it? Uh, if if it's going to happen, it's going to happen after a restart like that. And I think I think one question for Corey that'd be big is like when you're you're there's so much on throttle time, especially on a restart, right? You're trying to push the guys in front of you. You're not really lifting through one and two because you're you know you're getting a launch, so you're committed pretty hard to the throttle and then trying to push your lane. How much can you see in front of you when there's a wreck like that? Nothing really, you know, you can kind of see the puff of smoke when somebody gets sideways. Luckily I was on the bottom lane. I was about two rows back from where, where bubble was. So the window was open just enough for me to kind of squirt through. And then the whole track was essentially covered top to bottom. But as soon as those cars get sideways and there's three or four cars worth the tire smoke, you legitimately can't see where you're going at all. And they don't stop very well. The 18 car got really lucky because he was kind of right in the thick of it. He was able to slow his car down and not be involved. But it definitely wiped out uh, a couple good cars. But it kind of took out, you know, from 17th to 25th, which is that window of cars that I've been racing all day. It kind of made for my day fairly long and uneventful. I had to pit under under green. I really I developed a big vibration, which seemed to be a common topic from a lot of guys i believe the five had a vibration i believe the three had some de delamination of the tires and i think that's a product of goodyear having to take a tire that's so hard to withstand some of the vertical and lateral grip that texas makes that some of the, sometimes the rubber separates from the canvas or the the cords of the tire and it makes for what seems like a, a wheel falling off but ultimately that un unscheduled stop put us behind the eight ball and we were never able to get a caution to get us back uh, racing with the guys we should have been racing with but it was a long 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 day for sure that's a race that could be 350 miles and you, nobody would know the difference if you ask me joey lagana would know the difference because it'd be a big big change in his uh in his race for sure that's that's one of the things about a 500 mile race is your car has to stay together you have to have a full team day so first dnf from a blown motor from the 22 car since pocono of 2014 if that tells you how reliable these things are that's an amazing stat that's an amazing stat nobody takes nobody is as involved with their engine program as doug yates is with his i can promise you that and you put a fight underneath doug yates and those guys are gonna go to work you know i think that uh you know they take that stuff personal now that's 22 cars in a must one scenario which I think Joey said going into the race that you're you're really racing. You've got seven guys going for three spots because the, the five had enough playoff points in the bank unless barring a real bad issue. Uh, they were going to probably advance to Phoenix on just on points. So really and truly, nobody's situation has changed that much. I think the best person coming out of Texas feeling the best is probably Ryan Blaney. 
plus 17 on, on the elimination line. He's looking pretty good. I mean, who would have thought? Not that great at Kansas. His stats are not good at Kansas. Yeah, but he, he hauls ass in Martinsville, too. All you have to do is have a solid day when you have, you know, if you you run around that fifth to eighth spot, get a couple state stage points, you know, you can be sitting pretty good going to Martinsville. Ryan Blaine's a little bit of underdog, Chuck. What do you think about your former uh, glass case co-host? We're not former yet. We're still uh, planning some stuff. You know, COVID just puts the pause on things, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. But to your point about him being a potential underdog, is this one of those sort of situations where do you try and go for the win or do you try and put together just some solid races where you're not making many mistakes and you just go and try and point your way into Phoenix? And I'm kind of of two minds about that. Part of me says, all right, you're not great at Kansas. Go out there, put everything behind it and get you a win at Kansas if you can. But, you know, I'm not a driver. I don't race race cars, so I can't really fully answer that question. And it's a tough situation to be in because on the one hand, you should be aggressive and go for the win every week. But also knowing where your weaknesses are is key to success and key to getting a championship. Well, here's the thing, too, and I'll let Ryan touch on it because those guys are right in the thick of it just as much as Ryan Blaney is. If you are one of those eight playoff contenders, there are only seven other guys that you care about in the race. Like, you are not racing 32 other guys. You are racing seven. The only ones you care about is trying to mitigate the losses to the seven cars. Brad touched on something yesterday in in his post-race interview that I thought was interesting. You know, Parker said, you know, he came in here, 16 points out of the playoffs, but you're leaving 15, you know, you gained a point, but you did gain two positions. He broke it down pretty simply. He said, yeah, we, we got two guys. If I can score high thirties to low forties every week in points, that's your total race points plus your stage points, then we should be able to advance. Right. And, and in this stage last year, we scored, we outscored everybody. So if, as long as he can go there and like he said, score, you know, probably 37 points or more he feels like he can outpoint guys that are going to have mistakes so yesterday was crazy the way it all played out with the it's a tale of three races every week for the especially for the playoff guys right nobody's going to flip a stage nobody's going to do anything crazy and trying to save fuel in that first stage you were a victim of it there and then the second stage you're trying to get stage points so it's it's really a, a tale of three races for all these uh these eight crew chiefs and drivers I was just say, if, if you're sitting there and you're the 19 and the 22, like you've got to go out and win, right? You, 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 there's nothing else you can do. Brad gets that fourth place finish. He's still behind the cut line. Like it, there's a lot of work and a lot of, I don't know, shit that has to go on in these races. Uh, the, the, the good thing is this, right? If you look at the, the domination of the five car is all well and good, right? but there's going to be three other guys that have the same opportunity that he does. Uh, stage points are not going to matter in Phoenix. It's just going to be a flat out race. So he's there. They have the, they, you know, everybody says they can work on their Phoenix car for two weeks. Hendrick's got 300 employees over there. That Phoenix car, whether they win Texas or they point their way in is going to be badass, right? It's not going to change that. They're just focused on Phoenix. They're going to work on Kansas and Martinsville and they, you know, hell they might win one of them too. But yeah, the, the 19 and the 22 have to win, so they they will be racing different. Yeah, and I, I just want to bring that incident up because on uh, 
lap 320, getting down to the end, I bet 14, 15 to go. I saw the 19 car auger it in the fence so hard. I literally come on the radio and I was like, oh my God, that hurt. And like Ryan Sparks was like, what happened? Like, did we wreck? I'm like, no, no, I was talking about the 19 because he pile drove that thing into the fence. They tried to get it fixed. Obviously, that thing was way too gone to get it back on a racetrack for, for racing form. But uh, definitely, depending on what hauler you're sitting on, depends on who gets the blame on that wreck. I'm blame, I'm putting the majority of the blame on the 19 because you can't just turn down on somebody's right front headlight when it's in there like that. You know, you can go and point the finger at Suarez racing playoff guys a little bit tight and all you want to, but the 99 was there. I think Truex knew that. There is a lane and a half up there, especially when you put the resin up there that had more grip all day. Why are you cutting it that tight? Easy to Monday morning quarterback this thing. I get it. But- yeah, I think Truex knew that though in the post race. He though he did not he did not crap on Suarez one bit. Yeah, and and I think some of the the broadcast was was pointing the finger at Suarez a little bit too hard. Like you're racing, man, and you cannot afford to lift out of the gas on restarts. I don't care if Jesus Christ is driving the car in front of you. You got to keep your leg in it because you're going to the front. And if you crack the throttle, then you we saw an incident like the eight and the twenty four racing each other, which I love that rivalry. By the way, give me all the Tyler Reddick, all the William Byron rivalry there is because those guys are driving the wheels off those Camaros right now. So when you see a guy like Tyler Reddick lift more or less racing for second spot, potentially the win had to lift out of four. He got stuck three wide middle and ended up ninth. So that's the big, that's the biggest difference on these restarts. You just made a new t-shirt. You've out with sprinkle tires and in with the old Morgan shepherd racing for Jesus logo, but lifting for Jesus, uh, Corey joy t-shirt only available on Corey This is not a real product. Is that lifting for Jesus? Like, like weightlifting for Jesus? No, or is no. no he said he, he, I know, no. I know, I know. How about the fact of the Reddick Byron deal that Reddick's car is painted like Dale senior and it's still three and 24 looked like going at it. That was pretty cool, man. I wanted that eight to win in that, that, that black, that black eight. It would have been so sweet. Harvick had Reddick wrecked like he had Reddick jacked up and wrecked and he drove out of it and it ended up hurting Harvick more than anybody. I think Reddick may have lost a spot, but dude, that kid can wheel a race car. Yeah, no question about that. Obviously a two time Xfinity series champion. So he's no slouch by no means, but I think him and Randall are, they, they're, they've given some confidence. I'm telling you, they were the fastest car at the next gen test by a long shot. So They've obviously found the field that Tyler needs, you know, and it's really and truly about track position. If they get a little bit of track position, I'm not sure if they did anything different with two tires or, or anything like that. I, I didn't go back and look at it, but you know, you give Tyler a little bit of sniff at the front and he's going to stay up there. So definitely interesting to watch our three jackpot picks. Chuck mentioned at one point in time, we were correct on the top three with Kyle Larson, the 24 and the eight until that got all messed up. But we were looking pretty good there for a minute. It's good advice. It was good advice. Yeah, I uh, jackpot races in, uh, in in me haven't really been the greatest this year. I don't give. I uh, I'm earning my Blue Mountain nickname. What's it? I mean, that's the thing about all of this stuff. Like when we talk about you know jackpot 
races or uh, the you know 19 needs to go out and win or you know Kyle Larson's dominant he's pretty much got the championship in the bag there's still three races left to run and anything can happen in any of those races that changes the outcome of everything you still got a race right yeah I mean you you have to you have to go there every every week you know you never know what's going to happen you were if you saw that race yesterday it was boring until the last 50 laps and then you have the 19 car pound the fence down you know that takes him out of the playoffs where he probably would have been in you have the 11 car go from being a, a lock into the next round to they can be pointed out if they have one more issue in the next two weeks so and then you have guys like like us we have nothing to lose right we were we gain spots on pit road because we're just letting it eat right we, we're out of it and brad brad when he has nothing to lose and you put a carrot in front of him he's a he is a champion of the sport you know and guys like blaney who have a good day who's now second in points some of the guys that have uh have amassed their points through the whole year they could be in trouble now i've got an ice cold take for you i don't i don't know if the 11 makes phoenix where at the beginning of this first two rounds like you get Joey so far down below the cut line, right? He's really good at Martinsville. He's also really good at Kansas. He could win either of those. Truex could do the same thing at Martinsville because he's really good there. Uh, you know, if if Denny has one more issue at any one of these places, I mean, look, you look at – I just can remember odd things happening to Denny at Martinsville. Like one time his ignition box went out when it looked like he had a car to win the race. Like weird stuff like that happening. And it wasn't a cakewalk for him last year to make it to Phoenix in that last round. So – I just I just have a weird, weird pit feeling in my stomach that something's going to happen to that 11, and we're probably going to see maybe two Hendrick guys and two Penske guys at Phoenix. I got a little Kansas tidbit for you. Let's talk about that rather than Martinsville. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because Kansas, that's where Toto lives, and that's where we're going this weekend, my friend. So interesting stat, Chuck. The only two people in the round of eight that have not won at Kansas – in the last six races are the two guys first and second, Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney. Other than that, the, all the guys behind him from 2018 to 2021 all have won. Chase Elliott won in 2018. Keselowski and Hamlin split, split 19. Hamlin Logano split 20. And Kyle Busch won the first Kansas race. So all of those guys behind the first two are capable of getting in victory lane in Kansas. Truex has two wins there as well. All right, so let's play a little game. I can't wait to see here what kind of cold ice cold mountain takes because they've been on ice for two weeks now. And I'm sure that they are so frosty. Let's go ahead and do an all too soon championship four pick who Merriman, I'm going to save you for last Ryan. Who do you got for you going into? Oh man, I'm not prepared for this question. I, I would go with the five car for sure. And then um, I, I am not sleeping on Kyle Busch right now. They, they made a pit crew change. They have, they, made their pit crew better this week they, they did swap out for a for a front changer that is a champion of the sport so they're going to be better there and you go to the two tracks where you know i feel like kansas is more of a mechanical grip track than texas is and the, the gibbs cars have showed that they you know probably are the best on mechanical grip tracks i wouldn't sleep on him i'm going with the five the 18 the 12 and the two car hmm i like the five the 12 I like the 18 and I'm torn. I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately torn between the two and the nine. Like, I feel like Kez is probably in a little bit better of a headspace right now than chase. And I, I don't know if chase has 
and I hate to say it like this, I don't want to say like, oh, he's not mentally recovered from dealing with Harvick, but in a sense, like, it looks like Harvick's kind of getting in his head a little bit to me. You got to put in the fact that he's got to be mentally recovered from being the being the guy at Hendrick Motorsports last year to not being able to keep up with his teammate, too. I think Harvick threw some shade at that this week, and it makes yeah. pretty good sense. Yeesh. That came from the ropes, Merriman. You know that gif of that kid that's just like looked like side eye and like, ooh. Like that was me reading that damn tweet. Now, did he say that in his post-race presser? He said it uh, in a scrum, I think. And I saw that, that Gluck said something about what he doesn't need. I don't know why he's worried about me. He should be worried about winning uh, in the same equipment that his teammates won like eight races in or whatever. So yeah. I think it's done. I think this is just Harvick being Harvick, right? Like he's an instigator. Yeah, this is not done. It's never done with Kevin Harvick. It's never done with Kevin Harvick. You don't think it's done? He is like an elephant. He does not forget. Well, he forgot where turn one was at the Roval. That was a good dad joke. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Now, like, there will be those mind games between those two guys from here until the end of time. Because when Harvick decides to say deuces, I'll see you on the booth, it won't even be over then. There's gonna be he's gonna have the headset on and he's gonna have those jabs going during the broadcast. It's never over. Kevin Harvick will always have a bone to pick with Chase Elliott. He is not wrong there, Chuck. And what do you think about when you heard that uh, Kevin Harvick? I thought that Kevin is gonna do the Kevin things, and he's he is he's probably not gonna do anything on the track. I doubt he will do anything on the track, maybe ever again. But he will get inside of Chase's helmet with the comments that he makes and 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 to me it'll be interesting to see how chase responds to that not like what he says responds but like does he come back and rattle off something here at kansas does he do so or is is this it like is that the thing that gets in his head and gets him off of his why rhythm? hasn't kevin come out with a t-shirt i mean this is prime t-shirt selling he's too mad he's just too mad to even try to be funny he's just pissed off just pissed off. The nine had the didn't he didn't have the speed that I was expected him to because the five and the twenty four those guys were uh, exceptional. And the nine was just you know seemed to be a back end like middle between fifth and tenth. So I don't think that's going to be enough to get it done. You have to bank on somebody behind you winning a race and points and uh, and figuring out how to get in victory lane between. Now Chase has always been in the mix when it comes down to Martinsville, so you don't want to count him out, but. The nine car doesn't seem to have the momentum it had last year. Well, and I could totally see another of his uh, Hendrick uh, teammates getting a win in one of these next two races in the 24 car, because I feel like he's after the Roval, he's, he looked like he was driving with a purpose in Texas. Like, and he was at the Roval too. Just some incidents got him from getting where he needed to get to get to the next round. So much stuff to talk about. But I feel like we got a couple good, good pit road boats and woes we can get to uh, to talk about here. Stand by with us, and uh, let's get a little pit road woes action. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And it is time for some pit road boats and woes with front tire changer of now round of eight contender, Brad Kozlowski. Mr. Ryan Flores, what kind of woes did we have this week at Texas? Dude, that first stage was crazy, right? Just the first stage in general with when the caution came out and people saving, like saving gas or pitting, it kind of got a little funky there because they closed pit road at a weird time and, you know, who came down and topped off and who didn't. And then we went like max save just stayed on the lead lap and the 18 car kind of pitted the same time as us. We just didn't manage, like we just didn't manage the front part of the run as good as they did to get track position. But we were one car away from going a lap down. And then you see like guys like the 22 that did tires that went a lap down and they lost all their track position. So that was just, that first stage was huge. Like I've said this whole time, it's a tale of three races, you know, you see a nine car pit off sequence it doesn't sound like it was a loose wheel. It sounds like it might have been another tire issue. There was a lot of tires, what they call delaminating, kind of where they peel, where the rubber peels away from the cords. It's something we see on those harder tracks where the tires take a lot of heat going really fast and uh, not, you know, you just abuse, you do really do abuse the tire there, even though we don't talk about a lot of tire fall off. Well, we saw a couple guys, myself included, peel off with a nine and, and like, it was an unscheduled stop because we were on the program of trying to make it the whole stage and not go lap down, I'm trying to make it, you know, to the end of the stage. And that would have set our whole day up really to be a pretty solid day, especially when you wad up about 11 of them to start, start the race. But it was almost like a light switch in terms of that vibration starting, which made it feel like it was a loose wheel because all of a sudden you went from a nice, smooth, no vibration to a, my, rear view mirror is about to fly out of this thing and i like texas is not a place that you want to blow a tire and back the thing in the fence like you are hauling the mail around there so it definitely makes you think like i got a tire either coming apart i got a tire loose like this ain't the spot maybe kansas you know won't hurt that bad if you blow one and you stick in the fence texas when you're about a buck 80 and you hit the wall like martin Truex, that hurts the next next day so Unfortunately, I, I pulled in with possibly a tire vibration that I could have made it to the rest of the stage with, and that put us behind in terms of strategy and, and fuel mileage, and it just had us backwards. So uh, luckily for the two-car, though, really no hiccups, except one pretty wild incident, that first stop or the second stop. Yeah, the first stop, the competition caution. What happened to you guys in that first one? Yeah, I had a I had a nugget cross thread and didn't feel like I had the wheel tight when I left. So I actually went back to tighten it and we, we lost some positions um, because of it. We did four anyway, when a lot of guys did too, but if you like, that's a situation there where if you don't get that wheel tight and you have to come back down and tighten it up, then there's a good chance you're in that wreck. So uh, it sucks to swallow, to swallow a pill and do a 15 second stop to start, you know, 
your round of eight playoffs, but you also have to be mentally tough enough to know that that thing's got to leave the box. Right. So yeah, it took the time I got up, realized what had happened. Like as I was leaving, went back, uh, tightened, made sure the wheel was tight, kind of got ran into by my jack man. Cause that's just the way the choreography goes. But when you're running, you know, when you're running 11 second stops, you, you know, you're leaving before you, you, you hit a lug nut as you're leaving. And if you feel something weird while you're leaving, it's maybe three tenths. You might be at the headlight before you're like, shit, I got to go back and fix that. So that's what happened there. Um, a lot of, a, a lot of big, a lot of big time pit stops happen there at the end of the race, right? You don't want to give up the lead at those, at those times. We, we had a really solid day from the second stage on gain spots that last stop, you know, it's nice. You, you can get into a, a spot as a picker guy where you're either nervous when the caution comes out. Cause you're like, I don't want to pit here. We're not doing so good. Or you're like, I want to caution cause I think we can get more. And, and, you know, we had a good day and we had the mindset like, Hey, the caution's out. We're going to try to get ourselves on the front row. And um, for the five and the 24 to be able to pit as well as they did all day to maintain the lead, the five had the first pit stall, but that's really, when you have a car as good as those two did, the only way you're going to lose it is a mistake on pit road. So for them to be as strong as they've been all year, that five car has just been rock solid. Uh, the Hendrick camp has been really good across the board. A couple, a couple rough days for the nine, the 10 who got wrecked. And did see the 19 had a good day, but they did throw up 116. So that'll be interesting to see when the mechanics wear stuff comes out, who is where. And uh, touch on the mechanics wear stuff. That is the best pit crew with some sort of metric that, you know, measures your plus minus and overall pit stop time for a hundred grand to that best pit crew on pit road. So I want to talk about nine a little bit because actually I didn't realize that he had the same issue and had to pit similarly how I did. How those guys recover is they try to go, now they're on a different fuel mileage. So they had to, I'm sure somewhere or another that either had to get a lucky dog or a wave off sequence. You almost lose your track position, not once, but twice when you go get your wave around because you wave around on older tires and then you're up again, your back's up against the wall if you don't have that speed. So I was at nine car, didn't have the track position. So that might've been why they weren't a key player for the win. Uh, but for Allen and, and Chase to rebound after an unscheduled stop there of all places with not many cautions, not many leaders coming to pit, pit there towards the end, just because track position is so important was actually a bit surprising to me that the nine car still finished within the top 10. So uh, for those guys to mitigate that loss and go into Kansas with, with a pretty decent playoff uh, point picture, I think that they're looking they're looking pretty decent. The bummer about, you know, what Texas is now compared to what Texas was, and you can't go back, is that was always like a pit competition where when you bolt the tires on with 60 to go, you knew you could make it, and you knew like even with seven restarts in the last stage, you, you stayed out on what tires you had. You saw it with Logano. The, the cautions were falling kind of funky. If you would short pit and kind of pit um, right when you could make it, the caution came out like, five you know the guys that were running maybe 10 laps longer the caution came out to where you were either lap down or, or close to being a lap down you lost a lot of track position so uh, I we were pitted next to Joey so I saw that keep happening to him obviously he ended up blowing up and was able to stay on the lead lap but it had an old school feel with only you know 13 14 cars on the lead lap there interesting thought I saw paying for your thoughts I'm jumping I'm jumping ahead but I want to talk about it um earlier now that we're kind of talking about that there are people 
wondering why, you know, if this next gen car is a intermediate fix, if you will, to what we consider bad racing. I really don't think that I thought that the, like the racing with the restarts and when you run in side by side was as exciting as it was. Now, if there's a 500 mile race, it doesn't matter what car you're going to run. Like there's going to be single file racing because you physically and mentally as a driver can't be that engaged for four and a half hours. Like you legitimately want to fall in line and log some laps and get down to the end because, Hey guys, newsflash, Lap 300 doesn't pay a damn thing. Neither does winning a stage. Neither does lap mile 200. Like you have to get to the end when the pay window opens. So people need to get this out of their brain that there's going to be a three wide battle on the track at all times, lap 100, because the, the risk versus reward for that to get two spots isn't there because more than likely they'll re-rack it and you'll be able to get them on a restart. So what do you think when you see these, the, some fans, I guess not uh, putting credit where credit's due because there's gonna be days where the best car wins the race. It's not always going to be where somebody sneaks in there and steals one. Yeah. Not every, not every race is going to be the Bristol night race, you know, Dale Earnhardt wrecking Terry Labonte across the line. It's just, they're not all going to be like that. You know, a 500 mile race, there's a lot of attrition that goes into that. You got to take care of your car. You got to take care of your equipment and you got to take care of yourself. Right. Like mentally and physically, if you are on the wheel for 500 miles, you know, as hard as you are for the last 50 laps of the race, you're not going to make it. That's just, I don't care who you are. What needs to be said to that is that's what makes the restarts at these races so interesting, so exciting, so important. Is that when everybody's trying to get what they're getting? That's when everybody is trying to get what they can get. You saw what happened with the 12 and the 11 and the four. You know, that that's why at the end of these races, those restarts are so crazy and they're so interesting. That's what the 550 package has done. Because before before that, like if the 24 puts it on the on the eight cars door like he did to to wreck them, they don't come out of that corner. No, they both wreck. You know, there there they gather it up and they keep racing. And uh, the the new car, if the tire fall off is more, the fuel cells a little bit bigger, but the pit stops are going to be faster. So obviously, races like this one with the next gen car will be races where maybe during the pit stops you wait on fuel. Um, it's, it might be five races a year that that happens, but you need races like this. Races like this are, are full team wins. This is where building your car better than the next guy comes out. That, that it's not just about that. This sport is not just about the driver, um, you know, out driving everybody else. It's also about the team, the car you can prepare and, uh, the, the day that you put in. And that is a full team day. You cannot have a mistake and win that race. For sure. Strategy, pit crews. I mean, like a, a day like Texas, you cannot have one of those pillars not be standing and being and standing in victory lane. So it's not sexy, but it's important, right? Those are the hardest ones to win. Absolutely. And it might not be the most visual appeal if you're sitting in the 15th row of the grandstands, but that is also virtue of the sport. You know, you got to have those marathon days where it takes everything and it's not one restart at the end that's going to make the difference. So uh, that's certainly what we saw at Texas. Do I love Texas repave? No, but that's not the point we're talking about. You know, it, it is what it is, and you you can like the high downforce package. You can not like it, but it kind of is what it is, and that's what we've got with this next-gen car also with the bigger spoiler. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a little different animal with the diffuser and that dirty air not being as bad. So 
uh, not to get too far into the next gen stuff, let's go to the next race here at Kansas Speedway. Is there anything interesting about pit boxes or anything there that you guys are, are preparing for? It's just it's a straightforward mile and a half, just like, um, you know, more so than what we just had. It'll be back to kind of like what Vegas was. I think tires will be definitely more important than they were this weekend. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a grind as well. Right. You're going to have to put yourself in position all day. If you're pitting in the top five, you know, seventh or more, it's going to be, uh, you know, a pit competition. You're going to try to get your guy as many spots as you can. So you can start, you know, the closest lane to the front that you can. If you keep, if you see guys that consistently gain a spot or two, then all of a sudden they're on the second row of a restart and plug these guys three wide and get to the lead. So you just want to keep, you want to always keep your driver in it and give them a chance. So that's what you'll see this weekend, especially from these chase guys. And you'll see, um, you'll see other guys going for broke like the 22 and the 19. Well, there you have it. Pit Road Boats and O's analysts trying to get that two car into the final race at Phoenix. Have a decent shot this weekend at Kansas. So good luck. Let's go. Well, there we just talked to one of our performers, Mr. Ryan Flores. We got another performer coming on. A little bit different, though. He's going to be singing on stage, entertaining you fine folk here at Kansas City Speedway, Mr. Mitchell Tenpenny. I could not pass up the opportunity to get that guy just on his name alone on the show. Stand by. We'll talk to uh, a new friend of the show, Mitchell Tenpenny, after the break. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, guys, we're back with Stacking Pennies, and we just thought it was fitting. We got Mr. Stacking Pennies here talking to you each and every week, and you're tired of hearing my voice. Now we have... Mr. Mitchell Tenpenny on the show with us. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Of course, man. Thanks for having me, brother. So we're headed into Kansas this week, man. You're going to be the opening concert for us. Uh, you're, man, you're starting to, like, get a big following. I, I went to a concert of yours a couple weeks ago when you were here in Charlotte. You blew the roof off the place. What are some of the people, the fans in Kansas going to be expecting or going to see out of you when you're on the stage in the ball field? Man, you know, we're just going to party. That's all we want to do. We want to have a good time. We want to, you know, bring live music back full force after, you know, 
dealing with the pandemic the last couple of years and hopefully take your mind off everything for for an hour or so and just have a good time, play some fun music. That's our goal. That that's awesome. And and like I said, I saw I saw that concert and and you I expected a cool sh- a cool show because I've been following your music now for a couple months, but live, bro, it that's was right. it was sweet. And what and something I love about uh, your show in particular, your your brother is in there too, and you got a couple <laughs> yeah, of slots for him to sing. How cool is it too? My brother as well. How cool is it to go on the road with your brother? Man, honestly, yeah, like you said, it's it's everything, man. To have my brother on the road, to have that support, just that family member there when you know, whenever anything happens to have my brother there is it's everything in the world to me. You know, growing up, we went that club with three years of parties, three years younger than me. But then when you get older, all you have to do is have a beer together and then you're good. Right. So, so once we got older, he's my best friend. I'm, I'm so proud of him and happy to have him by my side every day on stage. Dude, that is spot on. Cause my brother and I are three years apart as well. And you are bitter rivals growing up. It's like <laughs> yeah. anything that you have, like your brother wants vice versa. <laughs> like we never fought each other yeah. per se, but we like gen- genuinely did not like each other. So it's cool. Uh, for me to see my brother yeah. driving the sport, it's cool that you get to travel with your brother. You're from uh, right. You're from Nashville, Tennessee, man. Did you grow up a NASCAR fan, or did uh, is this something like new to the Ten Penny family? <laughs> um, well, I, d- I definitely grew up like you know, obviously watching a lot of the what you would call cliche drivers, no doubt. But as of recently, I've gotten more into what the sport's more about than just you know some of the famous drivers back in the day. And uh, it's, I mean, it's such an awesome sport. And I just want to bring more light to, uh, you know, to people that, that not don't necessarily know a lot of the details about it. Everyone, you know, oh, it's just car racing. Well, it's so much more than that. And, uh, and I will admit that I didn't know that more here in the past few years, but I've always loved, I've always loved cars. I've always loved fast cars. And there's just something about, I don't know, racing my entire life. I just love I love racing. So it's uh it's just kind of fitting that now these days I've been trying to get more into, you know, more more into NASCAR, more into racing. And uh, it's been a really fun experience to get to do some of these things and get to come play shows there and see it live. I think I think that's what happened. When people see it live, it changes the entire perspective. When you feel the cars, when you hear the cars, I think that's something that um it's way different than watching it on television. Thousand percent. I compare it to I compare it a little bit to hockey because watching a hockey game Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you go to a hockey game and it's electric. The difference between watching a NASCAR race on TV versus being there is like not even the same realm. So I wanted to dig in a little bit because you are on like the upper trajectory of your career, similar to how I am in, in my driving career. And without getting too far into it, stacking pennies came from my career when I was driving for some low-end teams trying to figure out how to stay motivated and just keep driving to get better each and every week without getting like beat down or your confidence yeah, man. so i had to figure out like pennies of what would be considered a win to just keep stacking them and keep motivating right and then now i'm in a little bit faster car and then pennies per se are adding up to some better finishes and and just overall better performance what are some of those right. like pennies in Mr. Tenpenny's life that got your grind from doing some dive bars to doing <laughs> yeah. a concert before a NASCAR race in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Man, that's, that's awesome. Congrats, by the way, on that too, man. I've been watching it. It's, uh, it is awesome. Cause I love the grind, man. I love the hard work and yeah, I mean, I played every, 
bar in Nashville. I played every bar that I can think of all across this country. And, and you do that so many times until you never know who's in the room. And then one day Sony was in the room and I got a record deal and that's definitely not where it started. That didn't mean anything. That just meant now I have a record deal. And then all of a sudden you got to go to work and, and we still do, man, we we will do, we'll play an arena show and then we'll go do a show for a thousand people somewhere, you know? But my, my thing is like, now, since it all got taken away the last couple of years, any show I can see a bunch of people at is uh, is awesome. I think that's inspiring. And then even like you said, the Charlotte show, like um, like at a private event like that, like, you know, at that point, I'm just we're trying to make fans. I know that most people there don't know who we are. So we're taking those shows to try to advance. That's we're still grinding. We're still trying to hustle. And then, like, Sunday, I got to play the Ramen Auditorium. I got the headline, and we sold it out here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I take the, I go from, like, that show in Charlotte, where it's a private gig trying to make fans, to playing in front of, you know, a sold-out ramen show to all ours. So I take every – I don't take any one of those for granted, but I use those as, like, oh, my gosh, we just did that. Now I want to do the next one, the next step. And there's little stepping stones along the way, like some of the, you know – bucket list venues you get to play as you as you keep going up and each one you can't take for granted you got to be like man i remember why that's why i picked up a guitar to do that so i i hear you when you say that brother and that's awesome and we just got i know we 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 focus and we get that one track mind and when you do it it's sometimes you just do it and you don't look back i think we need to take a breath a little bit more and, and realize along the path like how awesome this is and like you know, years ago, I, I was dreaming to do this. So don't take it for granted um, and enjoy enjoy the ride. <laughs> like I said, uh, no, no pun intended. Uh, dude, I, I, I love that because it is easy to, you know, like the, the saying of these are the good old days. When you're 10 years from now, <laughs> what might seem like it blows of like yeah. the, the long nights, no justification for what you're doing in terms of, like, <laughs> you know, awards or like, like right now, or even four years from now, when it was like what I considered the worst time of my professional career, like those were the good old days. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and then like right now is the good old days. And and I think it's easy to lose perspective on when I was 14, 15 with my high school buddies working on a car, loading it up and going to the racetrack. Like you're working all nighters, you're going to school, you're working for your parents not making zero money, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, man. And like, talk about how much it stinks. But I look back and I was like, that was some of the best times of my life. Yeah. So I, I love that you brought that up. And I want to bring one more thing up that you said on like bucket list venues. So something we always ask our guests on the show, we do a would you rather. But the last question we usually ask is, if you could pick one car yeah. and one, one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you go with? So I'm going to ask you, if you could pick one venue to play at the rest of your life, which one are you going with? Oh man. Well, honestly, the rhyming was so awesome. Um, in Nashville, it was just, it's just a special place. It's hard to not say that, but there's a, in Seattle, or not Seattle, in Washington, there's a venue called the gorge and it's just, it's like on, on the cliff of a mountain overlooking this, I mean, massive like lake, it's a gorge and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's one of the coolest places we've ever played. And it's just surrounded by, I don't know, amazing wildlife. I love to be outside. So it's just one of the most beautiful places I've ever played or been to. So that might be a, a good one to be able to walk out and play to every day. That'd be a pretty awesome. Well, there you heard it. 
penny stackers from Mr. Ten Penny himself. Go check out any concert at the Gorgeous, his favorite spot to play. Mitchell, I'm gonna definitely check yeah, you out man. this weekend. Come meet you here at Kansas. So please, brother. Thank you, Corey. I'm excited to see y'all blow the roof off. There's no roof, but uh blow the hypothetical <laughs> roof off of uh Kansas Speedway. Hopefully everyone can make it out. Come out a little bit early, come down to the ball field and enjoy the concert by Mr. Ten Penny himself. I'll meet you. I'll meet you here next weekend. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you, brother. Always, man. We'll see you soon, brother. Peace. And there you have it. Talking to our new friend, Mr. Mitchell Tenpenny. He'll be opening us up this weekend at Kansas Speedway. Speaking of pennies, you can win 2.5 million pennies on jackpot races this week, Merriman. Uh, we were perfect up until the last restart at Texas. So, guys, if you listen to Stacking Pennies, you can have 2.5 million of them delivered straight to your house in a tractor trailer. I don't know how they get it there, actually. They might be direct to Merriman delivers him uh, in his old uh, one by one, one by one, in like his old geo tracker or something like that. The trailer, yeah, that's a good way to deliver. I, I mean, unless you like, unless you live on the West Coast, and we probably have to figure something out. But if you live within a 30 mile radius of Charlotte and you win 2.5 million pennies, we will have Jonathan Merriman personally deliver them to your house. So, Merriman, group number one, what we got. Group one, all playoff guys, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney. Chuck, who are you hammering there? You're going with the five? Going with the five. Going with the five. Because, all right, so this season, he, if you look at his previous season where he won multiple races, it was pretty much at the same track except for um, Richmond, right? It was Fontana and Michigan. Same thing. This year... He is putting it together on pretty much any different, every single type of track that you can go to. They're fast. I like him here at Kansas. All right, Chuck, you're going with the five. Um, it's hard to go against him. They're mile and a half stuff. He led 132 laps there. He finished 19th. I forgot exactly what happened, but obviously I'm sure he was dominant there. And he, to your point, backs it up. Usually when he was at Ganassi, he was winning both Fontana's, go to Michigan, very similar tracks. Uh, he can go back it up with not a bad choice right now. I also don't know. Maybe those guys pull the reins back a little bit. Maybe not show all their cards going into Phoenix and maybe think uh, maybe let those guys sleep a little bit. Who knows the tactics that our friend Cliff Daniels is going to pull this weekend, but it's hard to bet against the five. Do you agree or not with that, Merriman? What are you thinking? What do you take? Uh, I think out of this group, I will take I'll take the five, but I don't think he's going to win the race. Then who do you think is going to win the race? Because that's the whole point about this first. Uh, I think Logano is going to win the race, which you just have to pick. You basically have to pick the highest finisher out of the group, right? So if Larson finishes second and Joey Logano wins the race, you could technically be right here. <clears throat> so I think Larson, win, Larson wins a segment. Logano wins the race. I personally believe Joey has a better chance of winning Martinsville than he does Kansas, but he was in victory lane here in 2020. So he's no stranger to finding victory lane here at Kansas. Who are you thinking in this first group there, Mr. Flores? I got serious Kyle Busch vibes for some reason. Um, not the hugest fan, not really pulling for those guys, but I do have um, – I do think Gibbs cars will be stronger this week than they were in Texas, and I think that they uh, – Kyle Busch, man, he's he hasn't had the greatest year. Might have to peak at the right time. He won the Bushy-McBush race. 400 earlier 
it's not called the Bushy McBush race this time. So maybe it's not serendipity. Maybe it's not meant to be. If it was called the Joy McJoy race, who knows? Maybe I would slide in there and win that thing, but it's not. So that's I'm screwed going in. But uh, I don't disagree with that uh, KFB take. What was he laughing like a damn hyena on the radio this week, Merriman? Did you hear that when he was like, ha, ha, ha? I think it was uh I think it was one of the this car's really bad and everything's going wrong and I'm losing my mind I'm going insane laughs. I think he'd reached that point. Yeah, he was probably he's bitched about the front ends all year. Yeah. Yeah, well you got to have clean air and them things like the 5 does every week to maintain that track position and continue to drive away. All right. So the 5 or the 18 guys, you pick one of the two. I'm going to lean towards the 18 just to shake it up a little bit. What we got? Logano's in group two, Brad Keselowski, who I have a really good feeling about, which I usually don't considering the front tire changer. Uh, Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Alex Bowman, and Kurt Busch. Uh, you just had to put Chuck's guy in there, didn't you? Um, definitely hammering Kurt. Or or has Kurt already like got his offers picked out over 23XI racer and he's just wanting to get over there? What do you think? Chuck's already got a 45 tattoo, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he uh... – he got his win this year. I I, I don't think that uh, Kurt is going to get that one in Kansas, um, but I, I do like that too. I do like the two. All right, how about this? I know you're sitting there talking about Logano, Merriman, but let's just go ahead and give group two to the two car because, uh, you know, we, we, need a little, we need some positive mojo going on there in our good buddy's camp. So we're hammering the two out of group two. Group three, what we got? All right, last one from me, group three, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Chris Busher, who's been running well as of late, Matt DiBenedetto, and Bubba Wallace. Dude, the 17 car hit the wall a ton this week. So, you know, those tweet, tweet birds might be still swirling around, not going to go to 17. I think you are a dummy if you're not hammering that eight car right now. He's showing speed no matter if we go to a road course, no matter if we go to a mile and a half here in Texas this past week. So why not watch that eight car be up against the boards this weekend at Kansas? I'm sure those guys will have a pretty good setup. So there you have it. We're going to go collectively with the – just to not be fair-weather fans. We're not going to go with the five, Chuck, even okay. though he's a clear favorite at this point. 18, the two, and the eight, I believe, are three good picks. And your chance to win 2.5 million pennies. So Merriman, thanks for that. You bet. All right, we're getting down to it. But one segment I'm starting to really love, and y'all are really embracing it and firing over some good uh, some good questions with using on Twitter, hashtag Penny for your thoughts. So this is where Janie comes in and grills me with yours questions. So Janie, what we got? Well, our first one comes from a guy named Ryan Schick, and he has a twofer. He's got two really good questions for you. So the first one is, with the seven car essentially locked into its points position for the season and the new car coming next year, what exactly are the goals and objectives for the last three races? Or better said, what pennies need to be stacked? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, we can't really gain much. I think even, you know, obviously we're going to, continue to be competitive you know i think there's some and there's always bonuses with the better you finish but i think for me going in sparks as well it's like continue to stay tight with our communication stay tight with 
um, our execution of the race and not just get laxed and mailed in for the last three races because there's nothing to race for. You know, you're still racing for your partners. You're still racing for your fans. Um, so we certainly want, and we also have Martinsville circled on our schedule because we got crashed on pit road, running inside the top 10 legitimately. So I think that if we could take a good short track car to, uh, to Martinsville and, and kind of throw down one there, who knows, we could, we could run, you know, somewhere around the top, top 10 is certainly doable. So I'd love to be able to break in there in the top 10 and run similar to how we did at Darlington. So that's, that's kind of what we're racing for. And his second question is, as the playoff field shrinks, do non-playoff drivers race the playoff cars any differently, or is it treated as a normal race? Are there any unwritten rules about racing playoff drivers too hard? I think it's all situational. You know, you don't want to be that guy that that impeded somebody's championship or playoff run. You know, I'm sure that Daniel feels bad about what happened in 19, but it also, the blame wasn't on Daniel Suarez and what happened between him and the 19. So there's always like racing etiquette, you know, and some people get it a little bit more than others, a little bit more self-awareness than others. So you definitely take into consideration, you know, some OEM alliances and stuff like that, being that us as fire, we get engines from Hendrick, we get cars from Ganassi. Um, so we definitely stay more aware of those particular teams and not impede those guys. But generally, you know, I'm not trying to be a story, especially if it comes down to uh, impeding somebody else's playoff run for sure. At Adam Lavox asks, in a sport with a lot of very talented yet underfunded drivers, what is your approach to hunting for solid partnerships like Built Bar and Schluter Systems? Where do they start that search? Yes. I mean, it's sometimes it's cold calling, but a lot of the times um, it's hard to find work like companies that your brand fits so well with where Schluter Systems, they take their key distributors, uh, key clients out to the racetrack and just show them a good time, show them a good weekend. We went shooting some guns out with there with those guys on Saturday in Texas. So they're usually doing something over the course of the weekend and kind of make it a, like a hospitality VIP experience for those guys, but then built bar on the other hand, you know, those guys are trying to sell protein bars uh, and they see what the value NASCAR has, but between all putting their stickers on the race car, but now they're also the official protein bar NASCAR. So it's not often you get two partners that see the value in the sport. And I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have two good ones, but um, you know, we're always looking for, for more uh, cause it's, it's, just the locomotive that never stops burning coal to make this thing go down the track. So I love the ones I've got now and we're still working hard to find some new ones. I got a second part to that. Did you ever find a hair conditioner sponsor? We are in conversations with several conditioner and hair care products. Um, several good conversations, Chuck. I don't know if you saw this one, but you did have someone retweet your tweet for um, Penny for your thoughts questions and all it said it was from a it looks like a at jimmy johnson just said helmet swaps with a little face oh yeah yeah there's some indycar guy that's been uh you know giving giving these helmets away to every time dick and harry on the paddock and i just want one helmet man i mean how cool would it be uh to have my i mean jimmy johnson yeah, honestly, and we could talk about this on a later day. I've probably said it on the podcast before of like, if Jimmy Johnson didn't call Ron Devine, who owned BK Racing, and kind of this is two months after he won his seventh championship, 
if he didn't make that call and kind of put in the good word for me, I wouldn't be here today. So uh, Jimmy Johnson is my idol. And if we had the opportunity to swap helmets, I've been bugging him on every single post on Instagram. I'm like, I like helmets, Jimmy. Please give me a helmet. I, I'm done everything but beg at this point. So he might. Who knows? Well, maybe you don't have to beg. Maybe that could be some fun stacking pennies off-season content. We do a little uh, sit-down interview with seven-time champ after his first full season in IndyCar and just kind of have him, have him on the podcast and uh, talk about stacking pennies because he's stacking pennies in that other series. Uh, that's why you are creative maestro, Chuck. Great idea. We'll work on that. If and when he ever reaches out about a helmet swap, we will make sure to get it on camera and video because if not, then it didn't really happen. He said helmet swaps, period. There was no question there. So that tweet implies that he wants to do a helmet swap with you. That's what I think. That's how I think it too. So, Jimmy, I, I really want one of your NASCAR helmets. I, you know, there's a whole saying about beggars and choosers, but I don't want an IndyCar helmet. I want one that smells like NASCARs. I don't want one that smells like wine and cheese, dog. So dust one of them things off and fire it my way. One more penny for your thoughts, Janie. What we got? All right. Our last one is coming from Jeremy Grondin, and he says, outside of Talladega and Daytona, which tracks would you have the best chance at winning if given the equipment? Um, you know, I feel like Martinsville and Bristol kind of uh, fall into my strengths as just a short track guy growing up. And, you know, Martinsville is a super disciplined, heavy track. So I've statistically run pretty well there, but I feel like you know, just by getting better at all, a lot of these tracks, places you can run the fence pretty well, Kansas, Vegas, or some places I've started to get comfortable with. Uh, you know, Darlington is a place that I've ran well as, as well this year. So there are certain places that I feel more comf confident to going into, but anytime you're riding a faster horse, it certainly play, pays dividends. I mean, we see Kyle Larson winning more races this year than we have seen him in his entire career going into this. So who knows, you know, but we're going to continue to work hard here at Spire Motorsports, maybe sneak one out next year with this next gym car. When you get your first win, when you get your first win, I yeah. want it to be at Darlington. Oh, man. I just like there's something about that track. And like if, if somebody gets their first win at Darlington, you know, they've done something. Yeah. You know, some people might try to discredit a Speedway win, which, you know, I could see the, the case for against. So you cannot you can't discredit Regan Smith winning that Southern 500. You can't dismiss Eric Jones winning his Southern 500, his first win there. And Darlington just, it, it, it just feels right. Who knows? Yeah. A win's a win. It doesn't matter where you get it, how you get it. You still get the check and you still get that check. I don't want your first win to be at any place where we have to drive home from. That's true. I would like to have to fly home. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll wait for the next day and probably get a commercial flight and not fly home with the team because whatever city we're in will probably burn down uh, shortly thereafter. One last thing. I don't want to forget about the special people each and every week who are the penny stackers of the week. And I didn't really get to have a conversation with the penny stackers this week, but there was just two women wearing a Corey LaJoy shirt. There was one woman wearing a CL7 shirt, and the other one was that James Hunt-looking shirt uh, that says Corey LaJoy with Goodyear underneath of it. You can find on CoreyLaJoyRacing.com slash merch. And they were pumped up. They were excited to see me. And there's not very many Corley Joy shirts at the racetrack. So I appreciate 
Y'all two women that were at the front corner of the grass in the ball field, you know who you were if you were the ones listening to this show. You two ladies are the penny stackers of the week. What else we got, Chuck? Or is it it? Is it over? Well, I mean, I did see you tweeted something and you posted a, a – a, I'm, I'm old, so a TikTok influencer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we met – I'm not a TikToker. Uh, neither is my wife, but it seems to be the latest craze with the kids. Now the, the girl that redoes all these logos, McDonald's picked it up and they changed their Twitter bio picture or Twitter avatar pick to this girl's logo for like, I don't know, a couple of days. She redid a NASCAR logo. So she's found her niche in redoing logos. So NASCAR got hooked up with her and she redid the stack and pennies logo and I don't know if it's on TikTok just yet, but I'm sure by the time that this drops, we'll find it and we will put it out there for y'all to enjoy. Do we have a uh, Stacking Pennies TikTok account yet? Like, are, are we TikToking a Stacking no, Pennies? No, Stacking, we're a little bit old school. You know, maybe we might bring back MySpace. You know, let's try to do that. Ooh, I'd rather yeah. go backwards than go forward. And <laughs> Who's in your top five? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Chuck, you might be right on the fringe of my top five. I can assure you, Jonathan Merriman's hey. not in it. Um, Janie's definitely. As long as like every every couple of weeks I make it in there and then get rotated out, like I'm good being All right, that Yeah, rotation. yeah, you could be like on the depth chart when somebody goes on the IR, you yeah. come and fill yeah. in. I like that plan. Send in the lefty. Yeah, Emily Zuge was uh, is the TikToker that so be on the lookout for some good content we did with her this week. And, uh, and make sure when you get done listening to this, you rate, review, star, all the stuff. And I appreciate each and every one of y'all listening to this thing. So have a great week. Tune into Kansas this weekend. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. And keep stacking pennies.